Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, brought to you by RocksPile.com. My name is Kevin Henry. I am one of the co-experts on the site. Joined today by my friend and fellow co-expert, Noah Yingling. Hey, Noah, what's going on, man? Not much. How are you? I am good. It's October. It's starting to feel like it here in Colorado. And I know you and I have both been watching some postseason baseball that, uh, of course, does not involve the Colorado Rockies. But uh, nonetheless, it does involve some NL West uh, rivals, shall we say. Yes, it does. And then also, too, uh, there's been some other interesting series. I was actually at the... Astros White Sox game three uh, on Sunday in Chicago. And mind you, I've been to a World Series game before. That is the most electric crowd I've ever been in. Not not even a debate. I mean, it's it was a wild crowd. (laughs) But also, too, when you when you have Coors and you have a nine to six game through four innings, Exactly. It's going to happen. <laughs> well, well, hey, let's talk about your experience in Chicago because I had a couple things I wanted to ask you about that as we get into the postseason. But let's make sure that we say thank you to our sponsor first. How about that? Yes. Autumn is in the air. The pumpkins are in the patch. And our friends at Manscaped are here for you, too. Making sure you make sure you keep things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. With Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, and also a pair of performance boxer briefs and a travel bag are included in the package for free. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D and the number 20 at manscaped.com. Guys, make yourself a priority this fall and choose Manscaped. And we certainly appreciate Manscaped for their support of the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. And Noah, yes, I was going to ask you about being in Chicago. You were there for the, and I'm using air quotes here, blackout game. Yeah. So was it 
what was it like in Chicago? Was it because the White Sox were on the verge of elimination? Was it because the Astros were in town? I mean, what was it in your mind that really contributed to that kind of electric environment there on the South side? I think part of it is, and I can say this growing up a Cleveland fan and uh, watching the Rockies, the uh, White Sox are not necessarily known to have a uh, glowing franchise throughout their history. Okay. <laughs> For example, this is the first time in their franchise history that they have made the postseason in back-to-back years. Last year, they couldn't go to games. So this is their first time in over a decade that they have had postseason baseball on the south side of Chicago. Okay, got it. So part of it is that. Um, part of it is, I, to be quite honest, I think it was them facing the Astros. And... Soon as Altuve came up, came up to lead off the game, I mean, there was over well over 40,000 people there. And 98% of them were chanting cheater. When Carlos Correa came up, same thing. There were a few Astros fans, but it was like it was probably 95% White Sox fans. So I was really surprised and and, and maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was really surprised that uh, the White Sox relief pitcher, uh, Ryan Tapera, probably yeah. going to his name, but brought up the cheating accusations. And I think it's one of those things that you, you say that they were chanting cheater at Altuve. I think it's one of those things that this franchise is it's just going to stick with them as long as those players are still playing for the Astros. Yeah. I mean, A.J. Hinch, the Astros' former manager, is now managing in Detroit. And he still got that on road games this year. So I, 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 it's going to come with the territory. Do I think they're cheating? Uh, most likely not. Uh, however, I, I've learned really never to be surprised by anything because as uh, Harry Ralston Black would say, that's baseball. Uh, it's exactly. just, there's, there's nothing that's surprising anymore, especially with the Astros. But also, too, I think it was a big mistake for Tapera because one, none of his teammates really kind of backed him up. And Tony LaRussa, Tony LaRussa said, it's America. You can say whatever you want. That's paraphrasing what he said, but essentially he didn't say that he agreed with it. And as we're recording this on Tuesday, the Astros are winning five to one in the bottom of the fifth. Now, mind you, they're playing in Chicago. Yep. So I'm just going to take a wild guess and I, I may be stepping way too far out on this branch, but maybe the White Sox pitching staff is pitching like crap. You allowed five, five runs so far in, four and a, in five innings today. You allowed, uh, what was it, uh, nine runs in the second game. You, you, they allowed six runs in the first game, nine in the second. And then on Sunday, they allowed six runs as yep. well. Yeah. So I mean, maybe your pitching just stinks. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing that I keep going back to after his comments were the fact that, you know, the Astros have a pretty good offense. And if you really look at the numbers, it's not like it dips a lot when they go on the road. Yeah. I mean, these guys can hit. You know, it's not like they're facing what, what Colorado does with the altitude. When, when Houston leaves Minute Maid Park – they still hit the ball. And yeah. so for him to say that, I, I was kind of like, 
I don't know that I'd be going down that road unless you've actually got some proof that it's happening. Man. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, it's, you've got a little bit more proof. Okay. But especially after everything that happened, I, and who knows, I could be wrong, but I just, I highly, highly doubt that it, it was the case. And by the way, for those splits this year, batting average wise, they were actually better on the road. There you go. They hit 267 at Minute Maid. They hit 268 on the road. Their OPS at home was 787. Their OPS on the road was 780. So they're the same team home and away. Yeah. And, and I know that, you know, the, the trash cans and the cheaters and all the things that we've heard, but, you know, it's still Altuve. It's still Correa. It's still Michael Brantley. It's still a really good core of baseball players. And if they advance, which it's leaning that way as we, we record this, that Astros Red Sox series is going to be something to watch, man. Yeah, which it will be something to watch, especially uh, the ratings are going to be through the roof on that. But also, too, it's the Astros and Red Sox. Like, eh. I know. Really? <laughs> okay, so let's flip it because actually that's where I was going to go in just a minute. Because as we record this, the Giants have a two to one lead over the Dodgers in the NLDS. But if the Giants advance, and that's an if, obviously, but if the Giants were to advance, are Rockies fans going to cheer for them against a Brewers or a Braves team? And it's leaning toward the Braves, it kind of seems, on the other side. So in a San Francisco-Atlanta battle, I'm really curious, will the Rockies go NL West, or are they going to say, hey, Tyler Matzik pitches for the Braves. Let's see him get a ring. And Eric Young and Walt Weiss are on that team as well. Exactly. So, and, and by uh, the way, I think it's – I think either way, whether whether or not it's Atlanta or Milwaukee, that's who Rockies fans would be rooting for. Um, the thing with Milwaukee is they are the 2018 Rockies, at least in the yep. playoffs this far. They yep. cannot hit their way out of a wet paper bag. They stink on offense. <laughs> I mean, they are just terrible. And, you know, and, and let's make sure, you know, I, I – when you mentioned Young and Weiss, you talked about those guys when they were at Coors Field earlier this year for their uh, thoughts on Larry Walker. So make sure you check that out on the site. Uh, some really great comments from both of them. But I, I agree with you. I think that there's only so far that Rockies fans will go and rooting for the Giants, and it's likely because they're playing the Dodgers. And then after that, they're dropping them like a hot potato. Absolutely. Yeah, really the only other team that rock is that some Rockies fans – hate more than the Giants and Dodgers is the Cardinals. And yeah. it's because Nolan's there now. Yep. That's it. Well, and, you know. And then the Padres, too, because, I mean, not many people like the Padres because there's not many Padres fans. <laughs> well, so, you know, just real quick, and then we're going to talk. We're going to go Rockies after the break here. But, you know, Ron Washington, uh, Robert Murray, who's our fan-sided insider, uh, had it that Ron Washington has started almost campaigning for that San Diego job and talking about how he can kind of turn them around. And so I think it would be really interesting to see what would happen with an experienced manager like Ron Washington and how he would blend in there in a clubhouse that's obviously got a lot of talent in San Diego but fell so far short of expectations this year. I mean, just flat and i think he is the absolute perfect guy for the job one he is a great and i mean great infield coach you listen to any of the broadcasts radio or television 
in the playoffs regarding the Braves, and they will mention Ron Washington. He is out there with Ozzy Albies. He is out there with Dansby Swanson. He is out there with Austin Riley, Freddie Freeman, and they are out there taking ground balls, and he's just hitting little choppers to them 10 feet away, and they are doing that six hours before the game. And guess who needs that really more than anybody right now? The guy who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he led the National League in airs. Or, and if he didn't, he had a heck of a lot of them in Fernando Tatis. Yeah. That is yeah. one. Secondly, assuming that A.J. Preller is still the Padres GM, where did A.J. Preller used to be? Right, he see. used to be in the front office of the Texas Rangers as did Jace Tingler. Guess who used to be the former manager of the Texas Rangers? Hmm. Ron Washington. Hmm. Well, my, my, my. The pieces are coming together. Tell you. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it, it makes me think he won't get the job because it, it's too good of a fit. I mean, yeah. it, it, well. it just screams Ron Washington needs to manage his team. But here's but the usually thing. things don't happen like that. They don't. And the other guy, I think that could, if he wants to come out of retirement, is Bruce Bochy. Yes. And if I, he is the manager, watch out. I, I just don't think that they turned down Washington a second time. I mean, they turned him down when they chose Tingler two years ago. Yeah. And I think that now they've got the opportunity to make that right. I think they're going to. Yeah. So. All right, so there's a spin around the NL West. When we come back, let's talk about the Rockies. Let's talk about some numbers uh, that Noah and I have been going through and what it could mean for the rest of the offseason. Here on the Rocks Pile, Rockies Report. And we are back. Kevin Henry here with my friend and colleague, Noah Yingling. Noah, one of the interesting things that came out this past week was from MLB Trade Rumors and the projected arbitration numbers for the Rockies. There are 12 Colorado Rockies that are going to be going through arbitration in this offseason heading into next year. And, Noah, there are some numbers on here that I think surprised me and you and also uh, I think maybe might outpace what the Rockies are willing to spend for some of these guys. Now, we should before we go through these, we'll set the caveat of the service time is not official yet, nor is the Super 2 cutoff known. There you um, go. So, uh, and the Rockies have had this in the past where, okay, uh, player X fell five days short of qualifying. So he's not going to be in arbitration. But as of now, it looks like there's going to be a dozen guys. And we can go through all dozen of them. We'll go alphabetically. Daniel Bard, projected to get $4.8 million. My personal opinion the Rockies are not going to pay that. I I would agree with that. I think for four point eight million and what Bard, how he imploded this year, I just don't see that they can they can afford to bring him back for that for a guy that they you know Bud Black has said that they're going to be looking for a closer in the offseason. So are they going to pay that for a middle reliever that certainly had his issues uh, this year? I just I don't see it either. Last year he made two point nine two uh, two point nine two five million, and um, last year he had an ERA of five twenty one seven and eight record. Which as a closer, that's 
not great. He had 20 saves. He blew eight saves. So he had a save conversion rate of 71%. You know, and and again, he lost the job to Carlos Estevez, who is on this list as well. We'll get him in just a minute. But I just don't see that Bard is where they want to go. I get the veteran leadership. I get the whole comeback story. I mean, this is a guy who's a year removed from being the NL comeback player of the year. But man, just as quickly as he came back, it feels like he fell back as well. And and it's a it's an unfortunate end to the story, I think, to the for the Rockies. But I think it's the end for Daniel Bard. Yeah. Second, Elias Diaz, and his number is two point six million. Now, last year Diaz made one point two million. Uh, so it would be more than double, but. He had a, at least per baseball reference, a more than two win season, nearly league average hitting. And he was about league average defensively. On, depends on what metrics you look at. Pitch framing, he was not great, but some of the like defensive runs saved, baseball reference has him at nine defensive runs saved. So that's why his war is a little bit higher. But also, too, he had 18 homers in. 338 at bats. Do I think that he's going to get the 2.6 million? Absolutely. I think that the the Rockies want him back. So even if it's a little bit more than 2.6 million and they decide, because that this is just an estimate of what they would get. Sometimes it's a little bit higher. Sometimes it's a little bit lower. Um, But I, I think the Rockies will try to get to a deal with him. I think so too. I, I think if you look at his season and the upward trajectory that he was on after he started so poorly, uh, yeah. I think that the way he finished as well as some of the throws that he made to second, you're right. Pitch framing. There's a lot of things to improve upon, but the Rockies just signed CJ Crone to kind of fix their first base problem. I think Diaz is a guy that fixes their catching problem. So I, I think that that's a number they'll, they'll make as well. By the way, on that slow start, he was hitting below 110 as late as May 12th. I mean, think about that for just a minute. And the guy finishes where he did with that slow of a start. It tells you how he turned it around. And of course, you know, he had a couple of great walk-off moments at Coors as well. So, you know, I, I think he's the right guy for the job. I think this rotation that is largely coming back, again, John Gray, a question mark. But I think a lot of these guys are comfortable with him behind the plate, as is Bud Black. Now, also, too, if we look, we'll start with the first series. uh, So the second series after the All-Star break. So this was the Seattle series starting July 20th. To the end of the season, he played in 53 games, started 42 of them. He hit 287 with a 905 OPS. Entering that series, he was hitting 204. Yeah. With an OPS of 641. I'm telling you, something clicked and, and it stayed on, thank goodness, the rest of the year. So I, I think they bring Diaz back. I'm not sure personally that there's a place for Dom Nunez moving forward here. I think that they, if they're going to make a change of catching, I think it could be more with Nunez, but uh, we'll see. Next up, the aforementioned Carlos Estevez projected arbitration salary of $3.2 million. I think personally, 
uh, the Rockies will be fine giving him that, um, especially since he took over his closer. Um, he did uh, overall on the season. He had an ERA of 438. Um, it was a lot lower until the last couple games of the season. Actually, the last few weeks, I should say, um, because entering September 3rd, well, actually entering September 4th, he had an ERA of 383. So his ERA in the last few outings, a uh, few weeks of the year, uh, went up half a run. But overall, I, is he their closer next year? Uh, if they're competing, probably not. But he could still be a very good setup man. Agreed. And uh, also, too, the peripheral numbers say that he had a bit of bad luck. Um, the fielding independent pitching or FIP is 403. If you're pitching half of your games at Coors Field, I think uh, the Rockies are fine with that. The The main thing that's a little bit alarming is oh, uh, two things. The hit rate, it's down from where it was in 2020, but still more than 10 hits per nine innings is not great. And then the strikeout rate dropped significantly. It dropped from 10.1 per nine innings in 2020 and 2019 to 8.8 per nine innings in 2021. Now, it's a, it's a really good point. I think that, you know, and Rocky Sands will probably cringe whenever I say this, but Colorado has invested a lot in Carlos Estevez through the years as far as getting him to this point, even where he is. And so I think that that 3.2, you're exactly right. Is he the closer for the Rockies next year? I don't think so. I don't think Bud would have said what he said this, you know, at the end of this season and moving forward if he was. But could he be that eighth inning guy? Yeah, absolutely. Can he be a great bridge to the closer? Absolutely. And I think at 3.2, the, the Rockies will pay that. Next up, Kyle Freeland. Projected salary, $7 million. Last year, he made $5.02 million. Um, he, I, I, I I think they they will act, absolutely extend some kind of offer to him, whether they have to go to arbitration or not, who knows. But um, the thing with him is, A, he's been – he was injured part of the season. and But towards the end of the year, he was pitching better. The beginning of the year, he really struggled. Yeah. Now, the yeah. thing is, the last two years – and I, I didn't realize this until I just looked at his stats. He had the same exact ERA. 4.33 fielding independent pitching nearly identical 4.65 in 2020 4.63 in 2021 the whips 1.415 1.417 hits per nine innings 9.8 9.9 walks per nine innings 2.9 2.8 the strikeout rate nearly went up two batters per nine innings Kyle Freeland is a Colorado guy and I, I don't think the Rockies are going to blow. I don't think the Rockies are going to re-sign Sensatella and let Mark or let Freeland go. I just don't see that the, in any logical world that that happens. I think they are very happy with their rotation. Uh, I think they love having Kyle Freeland as that kind of bulldog who goes out there. And again, being the local kid, good story, all that stuff. I don't see where that's even a question. Last eighteen starts of the season, by the way, he had an ERA of three twenty four. You know, of all the pitchers, uh, you know, and I was looking at uh, Herman Marquez last night for an article I did on Rockspile. Uh, Herman had a tough second half of the year. 
of all the pitchers starting wise, Kyle Freeland was probably the strongest to the bunch by far. Yeah. And that that's the thing. And we've said this ad nauseum, the Rockies, they have a good starting pitching staff. They just have to be more consistent and they have to be healthier. Yep. They have to. And again, Freeland started the year had, uh, he's on the, uh, injured or, uh, yeah, injured list, uh, with the shoulder injury. So, you know, who knows if he stays healthy next year, you know, and that's a big F obviously. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's move on down the list here because you and I, uh, Robert Stevenson's at 1.1 million. I think they were happy with him this year. Absolutely. But here's the big question mark. Rymel Tapia coming in at 3.9 million estimated. I, d- I don't see it personally. I, Again, I, I will not be surprised by whatever the Rockies do because I'm not surprised really by anything that the Rockies or Major League teams do in general. But he is not worth $3.9 million. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. He's a one-win player by war. His offensive numbers went down this year. Yeah. He doesn't get on base well for a leadoff guy. He will steal. And he had the most steals he's ever had in a season this year. He had 20. But he can't hit the ball in the air at all. And that's a problem because when the ball is in the air, most players cannot get above an 11-foot level or so. But um, if the ball is literally hit right to them, uh, most, most major league infielders are going to be able to field it. It's really that that's the case for launch angle. Okay. Players are on the ground. So don't hit it on the ground, hit it above them. (laughs) It it makes sense. And and I think, you know, when you look at Tapia and you look at those numbers, think back to a guy by the name of, and I don't know if you remember this player, David Dahl. And remember how the Rockies decided that over 2.5 million was going to be too much to pay for David Dahl to come back. And David Dahl had been an all-star the last full season before that. Yeah. And so I think that whenever you're looking at Tapia, you're looking at a very crowded outfield already. And let's not forget a guy by the name of Connor Joe. Connor Joe, I think, showed enough to the Rockies that if they're looking for a piece to blend in in the outfield, I think it's a Connor Joe over a Rymel Tapia. Connor Joe had 179 at bats last year, 211 plate appearances. So we'll go by plate appearances. 211 plate appearances, 1.6 war for Joe. Tapia had 533, and he had one win. So who's the better player? At least last year, there's not even a debate. It's Connor Joe. And, And let's not forget, Connor Joe is also a guy that can play infield. Connor Joe is also has that versatility tag that we know the Rockies love. Tapia simply does not. Yeah. He's so, an outfielder. Yep. I, I would not be surprised. But defensively, the metrics this year say that he was a good defensive outfielder. Um, the eye test, at least for me, I can't speak for you, but at least for me, do not back those up whatsoever. Um, I could very easily be wrong, but the, the numbers still don't say he's worth, uh, what was it, 3.9 million? Yeah, it's, it's, 
yeah. for comparison, this past year he made one point nine five million. So it's essentially doubling his salary. Yeah, and and for what? I don't I don't see it personally. I don't see it so I, I think so far we've said goodbye to Bard. I think so far we've said goodbye to Tapia. Uh, let's hit one more here uh, just to make sure. And then obviously we can talk about some more on the next podcast, but Garrett Hampson at 1.8 million. Now on the surface, I think the 1.8 isn't a huge chunk, but I also think that Garrett Hampson still hasn't become that guy that the Rockies were hoping Garrett Hampson would become. I've, I've said this a lot. Great versatility. Great base runner. And I would even venture to say that he is a very good defender, particularly at second base. He can't hit. I mean, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. He just cannot hit. Well, last two years, speaking of numbers, exactly the same, as we mentioned with Freeland. Now, this is a larger sample size in 2021, obviously, compared to 2020. Each year, he hit 234. 287 on base 2020, 289 2021, slugging percentage 383, 380, OPS 70, 71. So that's 30% below league average. You can't hit. It's as simple as that. And, and here's the problem with Tapia and Hampson both is that speed is one of their biggest weapons. But if they don't get on base, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that simple. That was the problem that the Cincinnati Redlegs had with uh, Billy Hamilton. He might be the fastest person on the planet, but guess what? He doesn't get on base, so it doesn't matter. Get rid of him. See ya. Yeah. So the other guys on there, Rio Ruiz, one point one million. I doubt that. Um, Tyler Kinley, one million. For me, he walks too many guys. Yancy Almonte, seven hundred thousand. Granted, um, uh, minimum wage is probably close. It'll probably be around six hundred grand this year or this coming season, but. And he had an awful year. I mean, there's there's no way other other than that to describe it. Peter Lambert, 600K. Um, obviously, he's been injured, but for 600K, that's, that's barely above MLB yeah. minimum wage. That there's going to be no problem there. The other guy on the list is Ryan McMahon, 5.5 million. There, uh, who knows whether or not it'll be 5.5 million, but the Rockies are going to extend an offer to him. They're oh going gosh. to non-tender him. Yeah. I, so, I think I almost feel like of all the guys on the list, you've got Freeland and McMahon that are almost shoe-ins. Everybody else you could you could argue, eh. But, but here's the thing, and you pointed it out, Kinley, Almonte, Lambert. None of those three are going to be very expensive. Were any of those three like top-notch last year? Again, Lambert coming back from the Tommy John surgery – uh, Kenley, if I remember right, had the most appearances for any Rockies reliever last year. I believe so. He had 70. Yeah, and so. the walk rate, actually, it's only 3.3. It just – maybe it's like uh, – it maybe, <laughs> maybe he's just a wild thing, Ricky Vaughn, and he's just effectively wild. Um, but, yeah, he did lead uh, the Rockies in appearances with 70. Number two was barred with 67. Yeah, and I feel a lot more comfortable paying Kinley a million than I do Bard uh, what uh, four point eight for sure. Yeah. So, 
All right. Hey, Noah, I know we're going to have some great stuff here. There's a lot coming up in the offseason. And again, every day on rockspile.com, we have at least one new article. That's our commitment to you, the readers. We uh, love covering the Rockies, and we want to make sure that we keep you up to date with the latest. Noah, as we wrap up, man, anything else you got? Red Sox, Astros, unfortunately, in the ALCS. I'm going to say the Giants beat the Dodgers. Okay. They are going. Uh, the Dodgers are going with Walker Bueller on short rest, but the Giants. I mean, they're they are a good team. They're locked in, man. They are. And they I'm going to say that Atlanta wins because, uh, and this is my number one pet peeve with the, uh, and I'll use a word that our friend Thomas Harding uses: stat goblins. Um, they don't change for regular. They don't change for the regular season and postseason. They are two different games. Right. The Brewers okay. are starting their fourth best starter in game four instead of their ace and potential Cy Young award winner. If he doesn't feel like it's ready uh, uh, and he doesn't feel like his body's ready. Granted, this is old school and this might sound a little bit crass, but I'm going to tell him, shut the hell up and get on the mound. Yeah, Kit, you, you are our, be- our best pitcher. Do you want to win or not? If you don't sit your butt down, it's, it's as simple as that. Go out there and pitch. Give us give us six innings, a one-run ball on three days rest. Guess what? The Braves are doing that, and they're up two to one. Do you want to win or not? Obviously, you don't. So, bye. See ya. I'd like to get uh, the Brewers a World Series while Bob Uecker's still alive, but might have to wait till next year. If I'm proven wrong, I'll be the first one to admit it. I'll let you know on the next podcast. There but you go. No, I, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to – Hey, it happened with the Rays. Oh, we can't pitch Colin McHugh more than 18 pitches. Oh, bye. Uh, Okay, you want to do that? See ya. So there's Noah channeling Sparky Anderson as we say goodbye here on the Rocks Power Rockies. (laughs) Hey, he was Captain Hook. I'm just telling him to keep him in. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we appreciate, as always, you listening to this episode of the Rocks Power Rockies Report. Thanks for your support of rockspile.com make sure you follow us on twitter at rockspilefs and for my friend and colleague noah yingling i am kevin henry signing off and as always go rockies